Welcome everybody to another edition of the weekly podcast from Community Christian. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing good. Doing everybody's good. good. I'm great. We were talking earlier. How many of these is this? How many episodes? Do we even know? No. Nope. Don't know. I know. We could have checked on that. Yeah, we, we could have not in to. between we here. We to. had to start over, so we could have found that out, and, and but we chose we not did to. Chose not to. Yeah. We I think it, a hot. We teens. think it's a teen. That's what I they think. think. Hot teens, low I think 20s. it's less than teen, but you know, it had to start the first of the year, so hmm. probably teens. You're probably yeah. right. It's probably hot teens. Way more than we ever expected. Yes. Scintillating conversation yes. so yeah. far on this That's right. podcast. That's right. That's all right. <laughs> so we're glad you're with us. And uh, if you're new, you never tuned in before, this is where we just answer questions that people send us, talk about stuff we want to talk Things about. Things that interest us. Yeah, and maybe no one else. Yeah. But, yeah. And we just sometimes have a little bit of fun. We so Sometimes. Sometimes. And we don't know if y'all are having fun. No, we don't. If you nope. keep watching, that's on you. So y'all anyway. one-way conversation. Y'all should make comments. Well, they should send us questions. They should, they should send, send us questions. questions. We, we actually questions. didn't get any. We didn't any get any week. user questions. Come so on. Yeah. We, I don't know why that is. Yeah. I think they're. I think they've heard our answers before. That's, well, yeah. that's true. That's but true. we do have questions anyway. Yep. <laughs> we're going to use some questions that other people sent us, whether they watch the podcast or yeah, not. Yeah, they were not podcast questions. There are other ways to Mm-mm. communicate with this, and these people did. Yes. And it's just questions. We're tired of hearing them, so we're going to yeah, talk about. We're going to deal with them. <laughs> so, been, all right. Been asked more than once, so we thought we'll answer them for yeah, lots of people. That's right. Or. <laughs> And if, and if this interests you, you can listen. If not, just there's a fast forward button. You just exactly. right, on, on. scrub breeze, on, breeze on. So here scrub. we go. That's right. Scrub on by. Scrub, scrub it. Scrub All it. All right. So let's start with this. We have been getting lots of questions these days. Uh, at least some of us have. I know Ed and I have. I don't know if Nathan has. Have, have you gotten these I'm questions? Not, not the ones not I know these? you're going to ask. Okay. Them. All right. People want to know. Uh, here we are in the midst of uh, coronavirus lockdown. Government's trying to figure things out. Vaccines are possibly being made, and all this kind of stuff is happening. We're getting lots of information online and YouTube and just news channels everywhere. And lots of people are wondering, is this something that the book of Revelation predicted? Is this something that is leading us to this one-world government that people are so uh, afraid of? Uh, Is there the... People are saying that there's something embedded in here that's going to cause us to take on that mark of the beast, which, mm. you know, is that sinister thing in the book of Revelation. So six, six, six. is this the end of the world? I've heard that kind of stuff. Is this leading us toward end times? So uh, we're going to talk about that issue in many different ways. So uh, let's start with this. Um, because most of this stuff is rooted out of the book of Revelation in the Bible. Sure. So let's start by answering this question. How are we to read the book of Revelation? When, when, we, when we approach the book, what's the best way to approach that book of the Bible? All right. Every book in the Bible uh, should be read in terms of who wrote it and who they were writing to. And the one thing we all know is they weren't writing to you. Right. They weren't writing to me. The Bible certainly is for all people and can be used for all people, but it is not this magical book that meant means something different to every one of us that's not Mm -hmm. god's intent these Mm -hmm. these are letters particularly the new testament that are written to specific people and the way to understand the letters is to understand what the author's intent was to the people he was writing to and then maybe once i understand what he was trying to say to them there might be a meaning for me at something in my life that corresponds to that in some way But uh, you cannot start by thinking someone in the first century wrote something intended to reveal something in the 21st century or somewhere deep in the future. None of them were thinking that way, and I don't think that's the way God intended it to be uh, read either. Right. I don't either. Well, and I think one good good way of thinking about it is, you know, um, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, it says john says who specifically he's writing to these pastors in these seven churches and so that's the context and all of us get to listen in on their conversation but you know a very way often we want to read things i want to be able to take a verse or even just an entire book and say this is an abstract truth that's supposed to tell me specifically how to live my life as he was saying but that would be as if i was writing a letter to 
Ed about a specific problem in his life, and Jason ends up reading that letter. Now, there are things Jason can be encouraged by in the letter. Let's say Ed's sick, and so I'm writing to him and saying, hey, you know, or this specific case, uh, we're not we can't be physically together. And I'm writing to him about stuff going on with COVID and I'm talking to him about it. And then 30 years later, Jason picks it up and this whole COVID thing's taken care of and Jason reads it. But for him to just read it and go, well, I'm going to take this and this is about me would be ridiculous because I was writing a letter to him. But if he can remember, hey, 30 years ago when he wrote this, Mm -hmm. that whole coronavirus thing was going on. Nathan must have been saying encouragement to him based on this. Well, there is some encouragement I can take from that. But it's only through the lens of Nathan writing to his dad during this crisis, all all of the context surrounding it. And we have to do the same when we're reading any part of the Bible. It's always been interesting to me when I heard people try to figure out, you know, interpret the book of Revelation, is they they interpret all different kinds of meanings into all these different images that is used in the book, except they don't look at, they often don't look at the images that were being used in the day and time of the writing right. of the book. Right. Like, you know, there are things that he makes reference to that really were happening in the first century right. in those days. And the people who would who would have read it would have said, oh, I know exactly who that is. It, it's written in a little bit of a cryptic kind of way because and we just got through talking about this before we went on the air. You know, John is writing to a group of Christians and mostly Jewish Christians, people who've come out of Judaism, using images that they would have completely understood but the Romans, who are the government that's overseeing and persecuting right. the church, if they had intercepted a letter like that, would have read and probably not understood everything. that. So he intentionally is, is making it cryptic for that reason. Yeah. I mean, when you're under persecution, so that's the first thing I'd want mm. people to know is yeah. this is a book written in persecution to other people in persecution. So John's in prison mm. for his faith, writing to people who are afraid of going to prison or who have had family members killed for their faith. And I've heard from a bunch of missionary friends of mine in other parts of the world where there is active persecution that the book of Revelation is one of the favorite books in those countries because it's written to people in persecution. And it makes total sense to them, not about some far-off kind of pictured thing that Mm -hmm. nobody really understands. It's concrete. It's Mm -hmm. about what is happening. So here's John. He's writing to people in persecution, and he tells you who he's writing to right up front. He's a guy who started churches in Asia Minor, and he says, I'm writing this to the angels, which is the same word for the pastors or the messengers. He's writing to the messengers of seven distinct churches. Mm -hmm. It isn't something we don't understand. They all knew he was writing to. So if you read it in the context of, I know it was written to those people, they're in persecution. It's a pastor who loves these people. Probably what he's saying to them is encouragement somehow, not about, hey, I know you're not going to get this because I'm really not writing it to you. It's going to be for some people in the 21st century, so hold on to it. Take good care of it because they're going to really need it. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In fact, that would be very bad pastoring. It would be be very bad pastoring. they go, thank God he's in prison and we get a new pastor. That'd be like one of us standing up. Saying, speaking a message and saying, now, you're not going to get this, but if y'all will take care of this message in about a thousand years, it's going to make sense to them. Yes. Exactly. Or someone's in, someone's in dire need of something. They're in, yes. they're in an illness, and they go, Nathan, I really need encouragement. And I go, 2,000 years from now. Yes. You're a great, great, you know, and then I, I speak into that. And it doesn't mean, once again, that there's no truth, but these That's images, right. they meant specific things to those people. That's what, and, and then we're going to, we'll move on to another part of this, but. Yeah. That's why it bothers me always. People say, well, I get it, but maybe it can mean something else, too. Well, that might be true, Mm -hmm. but it's one of the things that causes us to lose credibility with people who don't already buy into the Bible because everybody goes, when you go this thing, and I'll say to people, you know, lots of people, oh, I know, people have been wrong, they've been wrong, they've been wrong. They're wrong, Mm. and you're probably going to be wrong about this because you're reading the book wrong to begin with, and it's hard to get to a right answer with a wrong start. Yeah, and like you and I have said, it's very tough when 
we've lived long enough and done ministry long enough to know that this kind of talk has come around at least four or five times in our lifetime of people saying, oh, this right here, what's happening in our world right now, that's in the book of Revelation. And then when we get past it, like Y2K, we get past it and everybody goes, okay, let's move to the next thing. And then the watching world looks at us and goes, now, which one is it? Yeah. Yeah. And why should I believe you about this thing about Jesus being resurrected when everything you just told me turned out not to be true? The, the church is founded on a historical fact, and if that's historically true and we want to hold on to that, us making up these interpretations for other things do nothing but do us damage. Yes. And so we have to read the book correctly. All right. Now let me, let me get to another specific image in this same discussion because it's part of what people have asked is that they seem to believe that the book of Revelation is, is pointing towards this one-world government that's coming and it's it's in our future and we should watch out for it Um, but there's a very specific answer to that found in the book so let's talk about that it does is revelation telling us that there is a coming one world government no he's not saying there's coming a one world government john was living under a one world government who had put him in prison on an island (laughs) the people were being persecuted by a one world government it was called the roman government and they were really good at ruling the whole whole world world. Mm -hmm. and so no one in their day looked at that and go oh my goodness there's coming a one world government that would be bad they got that what john was saying is there is a one world government and it's not bad because it's a one world government it's bad because it's a government that is turned against god right now Mm -hmm. there's parts of that you have to get to what does that how could that apply to me well i think ultimately he's getting at the fact that he calls it babylon we know he's talking about rome that's right that all human governments eventually become this form of babylon Mm -hmm. all human governments that are set up and eventually power corrupts Mm -hmm. people get in power all of them eventually turn to a place that they become evil and john's saying hey you should just watch out putting your trust in one world governments and remember None of them win anyway. God eventually wins in the end. Jesus is the victor in that. That's the clear teaching of the book of Revelation is that all this stuff that you think they have power, they put me in prison, they got you under their thumb, they're not going to win. And neither is any other government in the future. And I wish that's what people would do is they would really focus in on those last two to three chapters of of the book because that's where he finally gets to that point right Mm -hmm. there. And that's when you see, you know, the Jesus coming in power and overthrowing all of this and then and then and then of course that's a whole nother topic i don't want to get into but he he brings in images that take us all the way back to eden yeah. right the, yeah. through the beginning and, and it's this this tree image and just like a river the tree in the garden and, and a yeah. river and everything comes back to what it was in the book of genesis and what he's saying is is god is going to make all things right again what once was before sin corrupted the world He's bringing it to pass. And if you just hang on, don't give your allegiance to this, this power that you think is, is ruling over the day right now. That will only last for a season. Jesus wins, we win, and, and the world will be made right again. That's really what he's trying well, to tell Well, and it really, it really is the then conclusion of yes. the Bible as one narrative mm-hmm, story, mm-hmm. which is really the story of the Bible is God creates a kingdom in the beginning, yep. and he's, he's in charge, and he's ruling. And the, the rest of the pages from that to Revelation is we keep trying to make our own kingdoms. And often it very much is us ruling in physical governments, and we're trying to take over things, and we're trying to— I want to be I want to be in charge and I want to make the world in my image in the way I want it to be then when Jesus comes and he says I've come to bring the kingdom of God he means I've come to put God back in control mm-hmm. of you mm-hmm. and if you do it and other people do it eventually there's coming a day where the kingdom of God comes in this full kind of way where it's it's fully back and it's back to like it is in the beginning and I heard one person say and I think this is this part of what you said I think is relevant to today of where you talked about of uh, you know, all all uh, w- w- human governments becoming like Babylon. I think the part of that that's huge is, and we see this, and I think all of you see it too, of politics in our world becoming almost this religious aspect for oh, many people yes. that we believe the world's going to get made right when the right person, and mm. what I mean by the right person is my person. Yeah, My person gets in charge and does stuff. And I heard somebody say this, I thought it was great, is, 
all of all of our attempts to rule things is us trying to get the kingdom without the king. Mm-hmm. I want the kingdom. All the things God promises, a world full of peace and full mm. of justice and where all these things are. But I don't want him to be in charge. Yeah. If I can do it where I still get to be in charge, but that's impossible. That's and right. that's the nature of what Revelation is. Some There is coming a time where all the peace you long for and the justice you long for, it will come. Mm. But it's coming when Jesus comes to rule. Uh, and so anyway, I think that part, yeah. if that's what you want to take from this and hold on to it, that is a timeless yes. truth, but well, it still comes through that lens. Ultimately, apocryphal li- literature has a lot of stuff going on in it, but it is trying to teach one big point. Apocalyptic Apocaly- Did I say You said, said apocryphal. apocryphal. I just wanted to make sure oh, no yeah. one took I'm that. I'm sorry, not apocryphal. Apocalyptic, apocalyptic. literature. Yes. Apocalyptic literature is painting a picture toward one big image. It's not trying yes. to teach a whole bunch of little things. It's mm-hmm. trying to give us a big overarching principle. And the big overarching principle is, I know you're in persecution. That's why the sevens roll in these series, and they're just really, it's one picture rolling several times. It's just the same thing looking at it from, he's trying to tell this one picture. Mm -hmm. You overthrowing God won't ultimately succeed, whether it's a government or you and your family or you personally, God's going to reign and rule. And the only way... What you should take of that is I need to give him control of my life. I need yes. to, I need yeah. to continue to stand under his reign and rule instead of try to take it away. Yep. So that's the one world government thing. All right. Now, one last thing that I think is important um, in this discussion is another little piece of it that I hear people ask a lot about is there's that little cryptic part of the book of Revelation where they talk about taking on the mark of the beast. Mm. And, again, each and every generation that I've watched go by – has figured out, or they say, have figured out what that is, and we're all in danger of taking it, and we've all got to be careful because here it comes. And I think uh, several years back when, you know, the Internet started and, mm-hmm. and uh, cryptocurrency and things started in, in, on, in digital types of things, people said, well, they're going to put a microchip in us or they're going to be some kind of digital signatures. Well, we're starting to hear that again. People are saying that's something to do with this virus and the vaccine and they're going to put the mark of the beast on us and um so there's a lot of concern about that out there so let's let's try and put a little bit of context and perspective on that when john in revelation talks about taking the mark of the beast what was he talking about he's literally talking about giving allegiance to this one world government so you can buy and sell and it was a technical thing that had to happen in Roman guilds and Roman society so that you could buy. And you had to declare that the emperor was God. And if Mm -hmm. you weren't willing to do that, you couldn't do it. And no one accidentally did it. (laughs) And no one, I mean, if you take meaning they either gave you the choice, you had total freedom, you could either take it or die, but nobody (laughs) accidentally took it. Yeah. You, You had to make a choice. So. All of the stuff in my lifetime where people have been saying, you know, they're going to accidentally do it, and it's been, I, you know, it's put in parts that they put in your body and microchips, and you're going to have to do this, and it's going to happen, and you're not going to know it. Then, then you, you've misunderstood the heart of our Father who takes my choice. And, and if somebody did something to me that I did not choose to do, you then have to believe God gets locked into some kind of paradigm that God doesn't know I didn't choose it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so now I believe that this thing has fooled God into some way that he's going to take yep. into account. I did something without my knowledge, mm-hmm. without my consent, and now I'm, I'm really accusing God of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he has a magic kind of formula or this kind of binary thing he gets into. That's not the way it works. And like you were saying, it really was a situation in the first century where, where John is speaking where there was a, a choice that was having to be made by these people under persecution. Do I, do I vow allegiance to an emperor, to a Caesar who is over me? And, and, and literally, because the Caesars in that day called themselves sons of God. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And so who do I name as son of God? Is it Caesar or is it Jesus, right. my Lord? And you have to make a choice. And, yes, sometimes, well, in, in those contexts, you were blocked from society, from um, the marketplace and things like that, and, and you had a choice to make. And again, back to the original point of Revelation, he's saying to these folks, you don't have to give in to this government because Jesus really is the king. He will take care of all this. And, yeah, 
you may lose your life. And they were. They were being thrown to lions. They were mm-hmm. being burned alive. They, they were serious persecution, not what we call persecution, mm-hmm. which we don't have in this country mm-hmm. as Christians. You mean when somebody doesn't like my comment on Facebook, I'm not being persecuted? No. So so they were really being persecuted, um, which uh, I lost my thought. But anyway, so they're really being persecuted. But again, John is just saying to them, yeah, I get that. And you may lose your life, but that is that the worst thing that can happen? Right. We have a resurrected king who resurrect will resurrect you. And so hold on. Don't give in to this. Don't don't live in fear. The kingdom of God is the safest place for you to be, right. even if you lose your physical life. And I think that was his main point of saying it's an allegiance thing. It is yeah. an allegiance thing. Yeah. A little little tease on that. That's what I'm talking about Sunday. Wow. There you go. <laughs> I mean, so just, a, I mean, in a different kind of light, but that's in effect almost exactly what I'm going to talk to you about as we end up this new normal and the fear that's risen out of it and how do I deal with my tension, my worry. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So you didn't know that, but that's... I, I did. No, I didn't. Actually. <laughs> you really... Great. All right. Um, anything else to say on that? No. I think we we're covered gonna, it. We're going we're to put wraps on that. That was pretty quick. Okay. I was timing those to make sure we don't Yes, I get it. We don't so, want to go too long right. on stuff that you all didn't necessarily ask us. That's right. Yes. <laughs> all right. So on to uh, this past Sunday. Uh, I did the teaching, so I typically don't lead the discussion. So, uh, all right. Nathan, I got I think it. you're I'm, up. I'm leading, this one. I'm leading the discussion. So right. Sunday, we uh, one of the main points that you made, Wes, thought was good. You taught off of Romans 8, 28, and that all things uh, God works together for the good of those who uh, love him and called according to his purpose, that whole uh, section of Scripture. And in particular, the way people um, often read things into that at times. I think we've all read things uh, into that where sure. I'm wanting God to fix my particular circumstance and that everything in the in, in all my circumstances somehow are working for me to have better circumstances mm. down the road. But one of the points you made um, in, in the sermon, uh, which I thought was a great way of phrasing it, is uh, the good, when it says God works uh, all things together for the good, the good is not what happens to me, it's what happens in me. Mm. And yeah. I think there's a huge truth in that that um i think we we need to discuss so uh, jason why don't you kind of go mm-hmm. a little further on that and then we can all kind of tackle what that looks like in our in our lives and maybe examples of people we've seen that happen where their circumstances didn't get better yep. but they got better uh well it goes back to the application i think that i made at the end of the message is whatever happens to me i have choices to make um I have decisions that I I have to make on how I'm going to respond uh, to the circumstances that happen all around me. And nowhere in Scripture does it ever indicate that my circumstances are going to be tailor-made for these awesome, great, you know, outcomes for my life. Jesus pretty much promised the opposite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Trouble today, trouble tomorrow. (laughs) And then, so then we have to get to, to what, what about the way that I handle those circumstances is going to lead me towards the good. And I always, you know, the prime example in my life is losing a child. And it was a horrible circumstance that I went through in my life. And there was this phrase that uh, someone either said to my wife or she just came up with it on her own. She's smart enough. I know she could have, she probably did. And she said, Jason, we can either allow this to make us bitter or better. Mm. And she said, I, I want to be better. And um, so ever since then, we've asked that question. How do we keep from being bitter about our circumstances, and how do we become better? What's the right thing that God would have us do? And so one of the things that we believe God led us to is to reach out and try to get into the lives of people who've lost children. And so... Uh, we just sort of let it be known in our circles of friends and people that we know. If there's anyone who loses a child, uh, we will be there. We mm-hmm. will we will we will be, make ourselves available. We will do whatever we need to do. I, I can't tell you how many couples over the course of the 18 years this has happened to us. We've written letters to, invited ourselves into their lives if they want us to be, uh, to be a support, to be just a sounding board, to help and. Um, that's our way of making our 
situation better, ourselves better, but then making someone else's situation better. So when I think of that verse, I think of here's a horrible circumstance Mm -hmm. that happened, but I see God making good out of it Mm -hmm. because I've made choices along the way. Now, I was not perfect along that road, but I think I made enough right choices uh, throughout the years that made that thing change me into a better person and a more more Christ-like person than I would have been before. So that's how it worked out specifically in my life. And I, and I hope that people will see that, that even when, I, when, when the absolute worst thing that can happen to me happens to me, that there still is a chance mm-hmm. for good. Not guaranteed, right? but there's a path toward the good. Mm-hmm. And again, it's good in me, not good to me necessarily. Sometimes it happens that way. You you get past it long enough, and you see some good things come out of it. That's great. But you don't bank on that. Right. And you certainly don't – this gets into a series we're going to talk about in a few weeks, but you certainly don't put your faith as a contingency on whether the circumstances work out. You start doing that, and your faith crumbles. That's right. You know, if my faith hinges on what happens to me, you might as well just stop now. Mm-hmm. Your faith's not going to last very long at all. Maybe longer than some people, but it won't last long uh, because it'll crumble eventually under the weight of some pretty awful circumstances. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think, you know, uh, your story uh, I think about, and I was here for part of that uh, to watch that take place. But your story is a great example of other things I've seen in my life where when people handle it that way and their faith gives them the ability to go, God, how can you use this? How can you use me? I want something better to come out of this. This is a terrible thing. They become almost, um, I don't know the right phrase, unquestionable witnesses of God at work in people because I watch people in those circumstances. They're the kind of people that I stand back and I have a friend that, had a kid go through a terrible car wreck and she i mean it's just terrible and i watched him come through that i watched him stand strong through it and people all around are going how do they do that that's right how do they do that in fact the people that i most admire their faith mm-hmm. are not people that they pray and everything they pray for their kids get in the right college. They make all the money they want. They have the most beautiful wives and husbands. They have everything possible. They go, oh, it's all faith and it's all great. Yeah. I could have faith if everything went like that. Sure. The people I admire most are the people that things have been tough for, and God, they still see God at the center of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. a person here in our church that you know c- comes in in a motorized wheelchair every week, and she inspires me. So much every single time because she's always smiling. Mm-hmm. She's lost her ability really to communicate verbally. She's always communicating the love of God to me, and I think, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are the kind of things that you just stand back and go. The good that comes out of that, not only in the person but around the person, is God is doing something much greater than uh, just changing circumstances. And I always wish that people could see that um, because I. Again, anchoring your your faith to circumstances is is a is a losing game. But when I just wish people could see, because there's tons of examples like the ones you just mentioned and, and others, where there is so much more to be gained, so much more to be learned about God and His kingdom and the nature of of our heavenly Father through hardship and through persecution and or through you know diseases even sometimes than than ever could be gained from a a perfect laid out path Mm -hmm. and the the actual really great witness to the power of jesus in this world is in those stories Mm -hmm. rather than the you know the really nice looking things and and the really beautiful things that's why paul says god took the weak and the despised things of this world to shame the other things because that's it goes back to what the cross looks like you look at the most what what would have looked like the most horrific thing in that could have happened the thing that we would turn away from that would just sicken us was the very thing that god was saying no 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 this is who i am mm-hmm. this is my nature and when you see that you've seen me i think it's the same thing with people in our world when we see those stories 
we see God in a much clearer picture. Yeah, and I think there's a level to it as well that I think if you believe that what God is leading me towards and that the purpose of life is that I get to some place, heaven in particular, and that the goal of it is it's this intense pleasure factory that everything is good. I mean, almost when I hear people talk oh, about yeah. it, mm-hmm. they talk about it almost in terms of like retirement. Like I'm going to be on some beach somewhere. I'm never going to have to worry about it. I'm never going to have to think but about it. But it's a retirement apparently nobody really wants to go to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wa- it's going to be awesome, Nathan. Yeah. But I don't really want to go. No. <laughs> I remember hearing somebody once say that really what what life is is that God is – training us to reign that it's training for reigning that i'm going to reign in that that god is wanting me to co-rule in the kingdom with him that he wants me to partner with him and stuff and so there's preparatory work he has to do within me and that often the good in me is and this is the way i heard someone say i thought was so good is that he wants to make me a person that he can trust to do what i want to do Mm. that I could be the kind of person not to do what he wants me to do, that my will and his will would actually align. Mm-hmm. Not that I just have to pray, God, may your will be done, but that his will and my will are the same. But there's work in me that has to get done for that to happen. And often that's the good that happens it in is. me in this is that I begin to understand. So we look at it and we go, you know, if, if God's just waiting to take me to heaven, if that's the point, you know, we've talked about this a lot, that if that's your view of what following Jesus is, is I make a decision, then one day it like kicks into effect, that I've, I've, I've signed a lease for something that I don't get to be in for a while. That and one- particularly a lease that is, I think most people think of it in terms of it's a lease, I got to die, I don't really want to die, and I can't do nothing about what happens after I die, and I have a choice between going to a really bad place and a really good place. I don't want to go to either one of them. I'd rather Mm -hmm. stay right here, but if I got to go, I guess I'll take the good one. Right, and so we think even (laughs) heaven in terms of it's better circumstances. We see it as trading up to better circumstances, and so when something horrible happens, I go, why does God make me go through bad circumstances to get to better circumstances? It's a a misunderstanding of of really what it is to live in the kingdom, that the kingdom is God is trying to make me someone like Adam and Eve. We talked about this in the Revelation part of that could co-rule with God. God gives Adam and Eve mm-hmm. the garden, gives them the, the world, and says, hey, go, go, go rule over this, right? Mm-hmm. And that, of course, they do it not his way, but he's trying to prepare us, and often the good that's happening in me. And so in my life, that's what I've experienced. When I've gone through things, and I said, this isn't fair. I don't know why this is happening. And I, I'm really wanting this relational turmoil or this situation to just clear itself up. Often what is produced within me there has made me better at other things. There are things that my wife and I look back on now and I say, you know, um, we waited a while to have kids. And I, I look back and go, man, I'm, I'm so glad that not that I waited so long into our marriage or I, I waited till I was a certain age. I'm really glad I went through this bad thing because hmm. I can look back on those times and how impatient I was and how, how uh, um, well, I don't know, incompassionate? I don't know what the word is. Not compassionate I was mm-hmm. at those times. But the compassion that produced in me, the patience that produced in me has helped me, as, even just as a parent. To be, And I don't think it was just as I just know enough people. Uh, time does not make you better. Mm-hmm. Time does not make you. It just makes you older. Yeah. You, don't, you don't always grow up. You just get older. And I, I honestly, as a person that's getting older, I think it takes a lot more work to change the older you get. You have to break down a lot of uh, hardened kind of ways that you have. It's always better to change younger. And if you think somehow just getting older, I'm going to get softer and I'm going to get better, you just haven't gone in nursing homes enough. (laughs) There are really a lot of old cranky people, (laughs) a really lot of old nasty people. And one of the things I, I used to say to one of my accountability partners is I don't want to be that guy, and yeah. I know I have the potential. I do not want to be the guy that's screaming at everybody in the nursing home. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, because they have you in complete control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. No matter how much I scream, they mm-hmm. still have the power. Yep. And then we ain't going to come see you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. No, that's what I, that's what I figure. Nobody's going to come. Why would I want to be that guy? Yes. So yes. I thought that that was a the point of the yes, the I good agree. the good is what God is doing in and through us, not just circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I thought this during the message Sunday, and I don't know that everybody all 
I think, you know, sometimes we do a good job in our series, and we've all three taught in this series. I'm going to wrap it up Sunday. Of This series really has been, the new normal has been our circumstances have changed, and our That's circumstances right. have caused us to worry and fear. Yeah. And every week we've been enti- we've really been attacking this deal that a lot of us come to God wanting him to control circumstances, and God isn't at all interested in controlling circumstances. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And that we think, even when we get down to this part, we're almost at the end here, where he works all things together for good. We think he, we mean good circumstances. That's not, that's not what it is. This Mm-mm. whole thing has been attacking the idea of the circumstances of our life are not that interesting to God. Yeah. He knows about them, but he's not trying to line them up. He's trying to get us in a certain place. He'll use can. them. He will use them. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. He will use them. But he's really trying to get us to a certain kind of person and i've tried not to be real cynical my my nature is to be cynical but i've said this to my wife and other people is you know i've heard lots of people talk about so many great things that we're learning um while we're in this stage of being cut off from people or at least things that we've stopped taking taken for granted sure. that we used to take for granted and and i agree with them absolutely it's happened in my life i've seen it happen in other people's lives but then that cynical part of me says how long is it going to take when we get back to normal or things start opening back up before we just go right back to this? Sure. And, and then this, these circumstances will have been wasted in that they could have produced something in me, mm-hmm. so, that good that God wants for me, the image of his son. And I'm going to miss out on that. I don't want to miss that. I don't either. It's because it's because, and this may be a longer discussion, but I think going off what you said, the learning was never the problem. Sure. I never didn't know my family mattered. That's right. I never didn't know. Well, that's really good, Nathan. Mm-hmm. You're you're exactly right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I always it. knew, we and I think most people knew. Even yeah. my busy schedule wasn't what I wanted. That's right. I I felt like I needed it. Mm-hmm. It felt. It or felt, we thought we were doing it for our family. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought I I thought I kept us jacked up on the go all the time because of my family, and now that we don't have that, we found oh, I like my family better. Mm-hmm. But you're right. If I don't allow this to produce something in me, and I think this is an interesting e- example. Um, you know, we're trying to uh, start a new alpha community in our uh, church, which is a place where uh, people who have questions about faith and uh, uh, just really about life in general can come and investigate. And I've led a couple of these. And one of the videos that I love where they talk a little bit about how does God guide us. And an example they gave, it's a story I thought was so brilliant. And it really goes to this, of, I think one of the questions that naturally comes out of this. So if God's producing something in us, does that mean he causes the bad thing to happen? And yeah. That's a natural question out it of is. it. And I really think it's kind of missing the point mm-hmm. on it either way, which is that bad things just happen True. either way, right? Good, bad things happens. God, God is causing a lot of good things in the world. And I think we answered this maybe last week on the podcast or something of, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, makes clear, attribute all the good things to, mm-hmm. to God. Don't attribute the bad things to God. You don't know what God's up to. So right. trying to attribute <laughs> yeah. a bad thing yeah. to God. But the way he explained it was he said there was a um, young girl uh, who was playing at a piano, and she, of course, was hitting all the wrong notes. And just, you know, how little girls sit at the piano, and they're just banging around on the piano. And um, it's a story of a, an Austrian, like, prince or something. You know, it's one of those kind of fable kind of <laughs> stories. But he goes, he's, he's, he's listening to it, and he's irritated. He's about to go yell at the little girl. And then he suddenly sees an older man sit down, and every bad note she hits, he starts incorporating it into this beautiful tapestry mm-hmm. of a melody because he's such a talented. And then he finds out later this was the world's most accomplished pianist, that was, and it, this was his daughter sitting down to play, and whatever bad note she hit he could find a way Mm. to work it into this beautiful thing and i really think that's the nature and that really gets into the next part that I don't have to know how to play the piano beautifully, but if I go, okay, I'm going to hit this, God's going to work work into my life, even in these bad circumstances that he didn't necessarily cause, right? This bad thing happened. It's a wrong note got played. And maybe even maybe even I was a part I of causing, it. yeah, could have yeah. caused this bad decision to happen. But if I yield to my father who is at work in this, he can still create something beautiful because he is so talented and he is at work. And I think that kind of leads to one of the last points you make, which is I don't have to know every decision 
on how this is. I don't have to know the whole no. orchestra, you know, the whole symphony laid out as in front of me. As if you could. As if I could. Yeah. My job is I'm going to hit this next note because I think this is the next right note. And I think there's even grace in it oh, may yeah. not even be the exact right next mm. note. But if my intention is I'm wanting to I'm wanting to cooperate with my father, he's going to find a way. If my intention sure. is I think this is the next right thing. Now, sure. if I'm just lying and saying, oh, no, I think doing <laughs> this is to cheating on my taxes. That's the next right, right. thing. <laughs> but if in full heart I go, that's you know, right. I do think this is the most loving thing to that's do right. for Jason. It may not have been the 100 percent most loving thing. But it was the most loving thing I was capable of in the moment. Mm-hmm. God's going to leave. So can you talk a little bit about that, that philosophy, really, of just do the next right thing you know to do, and God's going to work in that? I think you make a good point, and I didn't have time to go into that, but you're right. I don't, I don't think we necessarily always are going to hit the right notes every single time, and I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – I don't want to get into specifics, but we all know people that we've interacted with – in in ministry who are just on the very front end of their journey of understanding God and his will and what the kingdom looks like and their heart is turned toward his lordship in their life they're still trying to figure out what that really looks like mm-hmm. they don't necessarily know all the things that are sin and all the things that aren't sure. and but they're trying to figure it out and they're going to make missteps along the way but Man, they're just point, their feet are pointed toward Jesus. Right. They're walking His direction. They're they're trying to figure out what the most loving thing to do in that moment is. They may goof it up, but man, there is so much like in your work grace for that. There is so much grace in every single uh, every single step. So I I hope that people when they heard what I said about taking the right path didn't didn't think that I meant. You know, there's a there's a black and white every right, single time decision, yeah. and you've got to find that right one. And if you don't, you're off to you're off in the wrong direction. I mean, I, I think you point your feet in the direction of Jesus. Yes. You plod through the woods, and you just keep going His direction. You're gonna find where He's leading you. Well, you know, I think an example that really hits home for me these days because I'm at the beginning of it. But you know, you're towards the end of. Uh, what I'd say primary parenting. Obviously, once your kids yes. are out of the house, you're still parenting, but you've got one about to graduate, another one three or four years heading in yep. that direction. Yep. Obviously, you have three that have uh, graduated out of the house. There's so much that I take just, oh, God, I hope, that you learn as you're parenting, oh, my goodness, that was the wrong thing. Oh, that absolutely. was totally the wrong And you went down that road for a while. But my intention was always, I'm trying to help my kid through this. And I know that God has grace in a lot of those things to go, hey, I'm going to work that part out. Mm -hmm. Because it's not my job to get it all fixed. But I think that's a good example Mm -hmm. of, and I think every parent has experienced that, where you really were trying to do what you thought was best for your kid. You were trying to help them. You were trying to be loving. And then suddenly it becomes clear. I shouldn't say suddenly. Sometimes years it becomes clear Mm -hmm. for you. Oh, my, that wasn't even close to the right way I should handle that. But to think that God was looking at us the whole time going, you idiot, mm-hmm. you should have known better. I think God, God, as Paul would say, who knows our hearts, who sees the heart, heart right, mm-hmm. and he knows, hey, I know you're trying. And he probably was the whole time going, hey, listen, stop. That's not, <laughs> that's not the right way. But yeah. there's still, like like we're talking about, there's grace in that that God goes, mm-hmm. I'm going to come alongside you with that. I see all of that again as a misunderstanding. Primary thing, we talked about it a few weeks ago. One, I can't remember which of the two of you were talking about it in this series. What you think about when you think about God is the most mm-hmm. important thing. Yeah, and this right. idea I have that God somehow has to have me take the right step to produce a right result is a bad view of God mm-hmm. and of myself. An it puts, yeah. view of it myself. puts way too much importance on That's me, right. way too little. It almost appears. It's like God's a vending machine, and I, if it costs a dollar fifty, I better get a dollar fifty. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I put a penny in and I thought it was a dime. God's yeah. going to count it as a penny. Yeah. No, God sees my heart that he knows I was doing my absolute best, and God sees the direction that I'm going. Mm-hmm. Now, I can fool myself into thinking I'm doing the best, but I can't ever fool God. And, and the good part of that is he is always at work. He's just at work, he's, and he's so... I think we way underestimate how incredibly good and loving and graceful God is. We just, we have such bad pictures of this God who wants to hold bad, 
good things from us. He, I think it's part of that strength and weakness thing that Paul talks about. Sure. You know, because let's be honest, every attempt I make at following Jesus is a weak attempt. It's a terrible attempt. It's, oh, it's yeah. just toddling, falling, stumbling through any way that I go, no matter how good I'm at, I get at it. He's got to pick up the slack. Exactly. And, and until I get to the point where I, I rest in that and I mm-hmm. just, and I, and I accept that, that that's the way it's going to be. The moment I get to the point where I'm making this happen, I cease to follow him. Yeah. When I, when I finally, and our favorite philosopher, Mr. Willard, when I finally, when he said, you know, grace is not what just gets me in the kingdom. It's the fuel that a Christian runs on. Yes. When I live in my day and I really go, my prayers are, God, this is what you and I need to do today. And it's me and you. And it's really you, but I'm the body you have. <laughs> I have to have his grace in every moment. Every moment I think I'm standing by myself, I'm going to be a poor effort at what I could do if I would lean fully into his grace every moment that i lean into his grace doesn't have to be a failing effort he will give me the he will give me grace in that moment i can do some things that when i'm done with them i'll go who did that (laughs) who said that where did that come from how is that so incredible and all of us speaking have had that where when you you pray and you just pray god i want to be used I, I may not say the right words. I want them to be used. Can, can I love these people, and I know you love these people. Can you see, sp- say what they need to hear? And you get to the end of it, and people, you can see that God has used it. You know it wasn't you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, it wasn't just a stumbling little effort. It was the grace that filled me yeah. that allowed it to happen. I don't get any credit for that other than I just showed up, and mm-hmm. God... I allowed the grace to fill me. Now, I've also stood up really confident at times <laughs> and not really thought I had the right words to say, and they haven't gone so well. True. True. <laughs> yeah. True for all three of us. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, uh, let's wrap up. And I have a, uh, I have a final thing. A couple weeks ago, Ed asked us questions. I found five more. All, All right. right. So our, this is a, this is not a top five, but it is five questions. I just called it five fast questions. Five fast All questions. Right. And uh, some of them are, I think, are going to be kind of humorous. All right. Some will be a little more serious. We'll see. So we'll, mm. we'll just – I put this more serious one, I thought, at the top, and then we'll go, and All right. we'll go from there and uh, see how your response to this is. All right. Here, a little more serious one. All right. Question number one. What's a book you've read recently that's had a really big impact on your life? Hmm. I have one. You want me to start? Yeah, go start? ahead. Okay. Since you knew it was think? coming, let me think about it. Why y'all think? Um, well, it's more than one book. <laughs> um, there's a guy, uh, we've mentioned him before here. His name's Greg Boyd. He's mm-hmm. uh, written lots of you know uh, books over the years, but he's written a couple the past few years uh, really about interpreting the Bible through the lens of Jesus. And uh, it has really helped me to see um, see the revelation of God in a completely, not completely, but a, I think a clearer light. Um, his, his whole premise, he, he wrecked, there's a book called Cross Vision uh, that I read uh, a few months ago, and, and then recently I read Inspired Imperfection mm-hmm. uh, that was really good in that way. And um, he, 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 he gets to the point of just pointing us toward the crucified Christ is what God looks like. Mm-hmm. And everything that you read in the Bible needs to be viewed through that lens. Put the lens of Jesus crucified. That's what the Father looks like. And the life yep. of Jesus, really, right. as a whole. The life of Jesus is what the Father looks like. So look through that when you see all this other stuff. And you see things that you think, that doesn't look like God. That doesn't seem like something that God would do. Well, when you look through the lens of the cross, you start to see it in a, in a whole. I, don't, I can't go through the whole thing but that has really informed my reading of scripture and my way of and it has strengthened my relationship with god so that's that's one that's really been helpful for me recently um you know i if i was honest the most thing i read most recently it's not a recent book 
But the thing I made most recently that was just very powerful to me, uh, just again, was just reading Dallas again and reading uh, The Divine Conspiracy, which is yeah. – Which you have to read several times. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's and it's kind of his ultimate work. I read work. it regularly. I mean, yeah. I, re- I still yeah. read it regularly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the most powerful thing. But, you know, the most, re- most recent kind of thing that was new to me was um, – the a, a different Enneagram book I, I, I read by uh, I don't necessarily suggest everyone to read it because it's not mm-hmm. easy to read. Someone actually asked me a good book to read about the Enneagram, and this is not it if this is the first thing you read, but it's called uh, Enneagram, A Christian Perspective, but it's by Richard Rohr, and it, it some of the, he's used very poetic um, spiritual kind of language, and a lot of the things he said helped me to understand people in my life better, helped me to understand myself better, and really painted a picture of God through through the lenses of all of our different personalities in a way that made me like you said maybe mm-hmm. see god better in a different way so okay. so uh the most recent book that i've read that had a that has a memorable impact on me is a book that i have just finished reading about the uh influenza thing in 1918 <laughs> and you guys know how much i love history and uh the impact it's had on me is uh well, a couple of things. One, there's just so much of that I didn't know. And uh, I think I said to you all, I don't know if this was on a podcast or in a private conversation we were having. My grandpa and his closest, his younger brother, uh, my grandpa was certainly alive. My grandpa would have been, I mean, he would have been in his mid-30s during World War One and during that pandemic. And he and I are very close. I'm named after him. And uh, he never mentioned the influenza outbreak mm. at all. Yeah, I mean, it just never got brought up. I knew a lot about World War One because his younger brother, whose name was Carl, uh, fought in World War One, got mustard gassed. I knew all about wow. all that kind of stuff. And so reading about that time in history is really impactful. The biggest impact to me was reading it in light of what we're going through now yeah, I bet. is that uh, everybody says this is going to be a turning point, and uh, it probably is. There are going to be things that change. But I sort of doubt that anybody's going to look back at it. You know, my grandpa lived through it and didn't even bring it up. And he brought up all kinds of history to me. And I keep thinking, so maybe this thing that has been a worldwide thing, it's mm-hmm. not going to, we're going to look back at it and it's going to have an impact. But hmm. it's been in light of what we're talking about. Maybe I shouldn't make such a big deal out of it. I should just try to stay on with my life, note it. And, yeah. uh, you know, so that's the most recent big book. The Enneagram book that we read as a staff probably has a big personal impact on the way I see myself and anything we read in the, the last year. Road Back to You. Road yeah, Back to You. That is the one people should start with, The okay. Road Back to You. All right. Question number two. Ready? All right. I'm ready. <laughs> this will be fun. What would a world populated by clones of you look like? Oh, horrible. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> horrible. I got to believe clones, <laughs> this gets into my thought about computer technology, uh, probably don't have a lot of artificial intelligence or just – you know, just, I mean, now clones, maybe maybe they're going to, I don't know. You're thinking about it too hard. I am. Okay. Yeah. It, mine would be a dangerous world. Yes. Yeah, it would be a dangerous world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, th- I think if a, a world with mine, people would be very focused on themselves and never even looking at other people. So that would that'd be terrible. Yeah. God, that'd be a horrible A friend yeah. of mine and I used to play, if I were God for a day and then... My answer always, if I were God for a day, there would be nobody alive at the end of the day. <laughs> no one day. be God for the next day. <laughs> the last no day. one else would ever get to yes. play God. <laughs> yes. I thought to myself, I would, I would be, everybody would be so hypercritical. Because I am. <laughs> That's me. That's me. So not, not a good thing either. Isn't yeah. that sad? That okay. is sad. All right. Question number three. <laughs> what old person thing do you do in your life? Now, you don't have to think very hard because guess, you're hard. I guess everything I yeah, do. I would say something by, by, Categorically, everything you do that's right. is an old person. What thing. quintessential old person okay. thing do you do? Well, can you, you give do? me yours? I'm guessing you've thought of one. I'm trying to think of one. You know, I, I, know I have, I have a, time with this. Okay. I thought to myself, and I, what do I do that old people do? And I, and I thought, you know, maybe my choice of music these days sometimes okay. could be All right, I'm going to give you one. I don't know person, if this is a quintessential. It's yeah. quintessential and that Becky and I now do a thing that I watched her mom and dad do mm. sort of thing, and I thought it was stupid at the time, and yeah. now we do it. We eat ice cream every night <laughs> at the same time about. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. But one little bit of ice cream yeah. along with pretzels. 
I like pretzels and ice cream. We, I, okay. I, yeah, we eat them with the ice cream, and okay. we like them. We like a specific kind of pretzel. Mm. And when we can't get them during during the COVID crisis, yeah. the yeah. COVID crisis for us has mainly been a pretzel crisis. Oh, okay. <laughs> no problem with the pretzels. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. Are you doing old people I, stuff I yet? I probably am. I'm just not aware of it. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I, I kind of, I, I overly romanticize things, but mm -hmm. I've always done that since yeah. I was a kid. So, I mean, I don't know. That, but that Is seems, that an old person thing? Because I, I don't have that one. I think mm -hmm. romanticizing things, kind of, and what I mean by like. Do a, I romanticize things? No. Maybe I don't know what you mean you're like by a, You're like a grumpy old person. <laughs> <laughs> you are. But I was a grumpy person. Yeah, I was about to say. So, I don't know. That's what I mean. I don't know if that's a thing. I always think of old people kind of sitting around and waxing nostalgic about things uh, yeah. and oh, that no, kind that of stuff. So, yeah. I don't, but I don't so know. So, maybe that's one way you've broken out of yeah, I, I think every new day is better than the day before. Yes. And I'm not necessarily nostalgic. Because <laughs> I get a new day. That's why it's better. Vinyl or any of that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're, we, my wife and I are starting to garden. That sounds like an older Ooh, person thing. But, but also, there's lots of young hipsters that are going oh, yeah, around, too. It's, so, but, yeah. you know, that's also the hard part is... Mm -hmm. 20-something, 30-something things often are also 70-something things Can because be. you're trying to, True. you know, aesthetically then you get at to least. Jason's age and like, I don't want any of that stuff. Yes. No. <laughs> Try not to. So, I don't <laughs> your thing? My thing, I, you know, I'm starting to listen to a lot of old folk music. Interesting. I don't you, know why. You sort of always did that because you liked I John kinda, Denver when I, I first do. met you. I'm I do, yeah. No one really liked John Denver, but Jason did. <laughs> it, it, I, I grew up on it. Okay. And, that, and that's what and that's what that's what it has done for me. It, it it's one of those nostalgic things that it just puts me back into a place in my life. I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. So. I read a physical Bible. That's old. Mm. I don't read. I don't read off the. I, I think I for me reading off. I have like a weird. I don't like reading it off a phone. So mm. maybe that's. I have. I'm not that. against it. I don't think there's anything spiritually wrong with reading yeah. off. I just personally don't like it. So okay. I don't. Maybe that's an old person thing. I don't know. I'm I don't know. So maybe we don't know what old people stuff is. I okay. Why don't let me all comment and tell us what old, old people, people thing you do. Someone get a hold of my wife. Tell her to watch the podcast. Then tell her yes. uh, to talk to me. All right. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tell her we on. have a podcast first of all. Yes. Question number four. What did you think was cool when you were young, but it ain't cool now? Mm, pogs. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't is. even know what that I don't is. I know what that is. Yeah, there are these what are things pogs? called pogs. And basically everything that you see on like a – y'all may not get this because it's not your age group, but, you know, the Facebook algorithm puts out stuff to me that's like only 90s kids get this, and I was mm -hmm. a 90s kid. So, like, pogs are that way. Slap bracelets, but those have kind of come back. They have. They kind of come back. Pogs were like – I don't know how to explain it. They're almost like little coins. They're about mm -hmm. that big. They're very yeah. thin. And they had, like, characters on them, and you would collect them. You know, it's just things they could get stupid like things. Like baseball kids, trading cards, but in of. a worse form. Yeah, yeah and you would, you would battle with them. So you okay. would, Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, like baseball so cards. It's then. all yeah. that kind of stuff, but hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I know what mine was. All right. Okay. Hair metal. Oh, yeah, that's not cool anymore. Oh, but I still true. listen to it every now and then. But I, you know, it. I knew it wasn't. I know it's not cool. It's I know one it's that not. hasn't had a care. resurgence because the like the no. pop punk stuff that we were listening to when I was. It, it there's teenagers now listen to that and it's terrible, but they like it. They still like they it. like it. But I hair like, metal's not may really. Now that you that. bring that up, you know there was a short season and I, I that I liked Alice Cooper. Oh, uh, <laughs> they're just a very short little time that I liked Alice Cooper. And then I realized, mm. <laughs> not no, cool. no. When I was young, young, there's a thing that none of y'all know you would remember. But when I was a kid, kid, the, the Christmas gift I most remember was Mattel had this thing called a thing maker. And you could get this goop, and I'm confident it gave us all cancer. But it was something you could pour in this thing. It was a red hot iron kind of thing that they gave to little kids. That's you a know. '60s toy you right know. there. And it was hot enough Dangerous. that I burned the carpet oh, yeah. in my bedroom mm -hmm. yes. with it. And you could make like model cars and all mm. kinds of stuff. Mm. I wanted that so. It was like pre-3D printing. Yeah, it was, right. like 3D yeah. It was rubberized right. something or a thing maker. You can okay. probably Google that. Awesome. I don't know. That actually sounds kind of cool. It does. It was. Once you got it, like all other toys you get when you're a kid, you look at it and go, Ugh. sea monkeys, <laughs> sea monkeys, yeah. pet rocks. That yeah. looked way better yeah, on the commercial. Tough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Last question: Would you rather never use social media ever again, or never watch a TV show or movie again? 
Social media. I'm done. Me too. Right yeah, now. Can so. we be done? Social Me media. too. I think I'll just give it up anyway. <laughs> I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah. Although technically YouTube is social media, which we're on right now. Yeah. True. I think YouTube would be harder to give up, but everything else I could probably give up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, social media for sure. Yeah. I love TV. Me too. I really do. I love yeah. TV. Maybe we'll talk about our favorite shows one day. They, Not on this broadcast because no, we have run out of time. We right. are done. So uh, we uh, start. Well, we finish up the series. We finish up the new week. normal this week. So y'all tune in. We're still online. Wrap there it all up. is no physical service <laughs> no. Sunday. No. In spite of the way you read the email that said this is a fake trial service, that yes. fake trial is a fake. It is it not is happening. There is fake. no service. Please spread the word. There is no service happening. Please don't ask me about it. And again. so we finish. Unless this is a deep fake. <laughs> and then in case it is, it is really happening. We really need to be done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll see you guys this weekend and back here but next week. But not at physical location. Not at physically. No. <laughs> not back here. Back here on YouTube. On YouTube. See you. Back see ya. here. Yeah. Bye. Bye.